everyone, and welcome to Downtime with John and Emily, the how-to podcast by siblings who don't know anything. I'm your co-host, John Downey, and I have been ditched. I've been left on the side of the road by by my dear older sister, and it's not the first time. I am instead joined by our lovely frequent guest co-host, Taylor. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you for thanks for filling in. We yeah. appreciate you. We appreciate you jumping in. Always like to be a filler. <laughs> I I I love having you off in the wings at any given moment. It's it, <laughs> it's nice that you're willing to just be in your car halfway between Washington D.C. and and Southern Virginia where y'all are. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like ready to go in case I need to like duck out or if Emily dies midstream, like it's nice that you're just ready to sort of take either one of our places. Yeah. Well, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Like living in like middle Southern Virginia, I wish that Emily also living in middle Southern Virginia, you know, mm-hmm. with me that when I had to fill in for you, I didn't have to go up to Northern Virginia in order to do that. Cause of well, course, you know, we need this set up and it seems like we could do it in the same room but i understand you know i don't want to ruin the spirit of the podcast no there's a there's a spirit of a thing that's sort of like a tradition sort of at this point uh as well as just like the you know the people are used to i don't i i would say my editing style is light and sort of minimalist editing i would say and people are used to that that delay you know just that little that little bit of delay between uh, in timing, like comedic timing. You're not yeah. really sure, like, oh, does John just not think that that, em- that thing Emily said was just not funny? Or is he just waiting? Oh, there he is. Okay, cool. All right. He laughed. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it technology or is it thoughtfulness? You know, that delay. Is exactly. it like a, a Barack Obama-esque pause? Is he just waiting to, like, he's thinking of a response or does he just not think it's funny? There is a, uh, do you remember, oh, what the hell were they called? Uh, riff tracks? Of course. Uh, there was a- How could anyone f- forget riff tracks? <laughs> my favorite one that we ever watched, because you used to have to get them on your iPod and like play them yep. at the same time you hit like the you space bar on sync your computer. It, up. it was a whole there was, fucking thing. <laughs> there was one uh, I watched of Twilight. And they just yes. like relentlessly. I think, this, I think that's what made them like famous. I think that's what put really them on the good. map was the Twilight one. Just there's so many moments where Robert Pattinson as Edward and Kristen Stewart as Bella are like looking at each other mm-hmm. and just they're in the background going, line, <laughs> line. Because <laughs> it just shows like this is just an arbitrary moment of silence. Immensely for, pregnant I don't know, pauses. Yeah, immensely <laughs> pregnant pauses for a hormonal crowd to soak in it. Like, I just don't know like what these are for. Necessary for building tension between teens, the, the sexual kind. Yeah, I let, there's a, I, one of my favorite moments is like, I know what you are. And then it's like a full... 10 beats or three full seconds and then robert pattinson says then say it say it <laughs> a vampire they managed to slip in full sentences of jokes before like the, the rest of the line is delivered like what the hell so i wanted to ask you 
Yes. As as someone who, I mean, I I lived with dogs for a long, long time in my life, yeah. but it's been a long time since I've had a dog, and mm-hmm. you've been living with a canine for for a while now. Uh huh. And I I have a question uh, for you, and Shoot. and this might get cut. I don't know if this is too personal, so uh, just just uh, bear with me here. How fascinated is your dog with your beeper? Is that a euphemism for penis? Yeah. yeah. Well, I okay. Yeah. So right, it, right. Ah, ah, it hurt. It, oh, the the <laughs> word the words my my puritan ears. Because <laughs> for a second, <laughs> I heard beaver. I'm like, okay, you understand that though I'm filling in, I am not your sister. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, so oh I God. A, a big moment of pause. There. Just, <laughs> in short, I'm never referring to that ever. Oh my God. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> mine not terribly at all. Not like, terribly. It's not okay. No, but um, tugboat will just grab a pair of Emily's underwear yep. and bring them into the office, and then just like put them in the middle. Like I did it, and then she'll <laughs> go off and do it again. Like did it again. How's work going? Hold on, hold on. All right, now how's work going? <laughs> she brings in a third <laughs> pair, just like Sorry. doesn't chew on them or anything, just like leaves them as you know, for no other reason to prove that she did it. As as a uh, uh, comedic people in general, I would hope you were teaching her to never leave a, a rule of threes wanting. You gotta you <laughs> gotta finish up the rule of threes. You can't bring in two <laughs> pairs of underwear. Come on, tugboat. We taught you better than that. God, there's some things that we did not mean to teach her that she's just learned, which, you know, some of them are very handy and some of them are not. Like when when you sit on the front porch, she just sits. She has her spot like she has her chair. She doesn't move from her chair. It's on the far side, like away from the stairs down to the street yeah. so that, you know, she can't run out. But she she like craves to sit in that spot. We never like made her sit there. It's just, you know, it ended <laughs> up happening. A less cool one is like whenever Emily and I hug or kiss or whatever, the dog yeah. like puts itself away. And like, <laughs> not, okay, it's like, okay, not, uh, not, you oh, know, oh, not, no. not bad, but Jeez. like kind of weird. You know? It's like, are you, are you embarrassed for us? Are, are we, <laughs> do we not do this? Is this not nice to watch or look at? Would we be bad on screen? Oh what are you God. trying to say? It I know, right? pointed. <laughs> It's like we'll go up, we'll go upstairs, and like, wait, the dog's here. Why is the dog here? Like, just like <laughs> waiting, but like faced away. Like I need to be present, but I can't see. Like, like eyes wide shut thing. <laughs> it's like fucking weird. So I I get home from work, and I I have a physical job, so I have to I have to purge my. You're spitzing. Whole, I have day. to get everything off of my body immediately when I get home, or I will die. I will perish yeah. if uh, there's a counter. It's like a five-minute timer that starts as soon as I walk through the door. And oh, I, I totally will, understand. I will fall and die if I don't get those sweaty clothes off. So your dog is probably normal, and my dog is just a full pervert. So that's good. That's good to know. It's it's a persistent, like, I need to get him out of there. He re- He's very interested. He really wants to know what it's all about. <laughs> And, and I don't, I don't know what to do, uh, what to do about it. I just, I, it's not that I fear being naked around him, but I'm, I'm not testing it either. I, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm getting clothed 
as quickly as I, I can to avoid the confrontation. I absolutely have a sense of propriety around the pets. Like, I do not <laughs> want them to see me in the buff. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things, like, I'll have the towel on out of the shower and I'll move the cat out so that I can change in the room. <laughs> like, it's like, I've been naked in the presence of, our, like, I've been in a locker room. I've been naked in the presence of strangers, but, like, can't do it in front of the cat. There's just no. something about it. Like, no, no if you see you how said, vulnerable that area. I know. <laughs> They can't oh. see that. They're too young. They're children. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're, right? not... They're six and two. <laughs> um, what would you call it? A beeper on the, the beeper buzzing. Um, Caesar Milan in his book, how to raise the perfect pup. Yeah. does have a section on that. Like, you know, common behaviors that people aren't chill about and like, what okay, here's why the dog does it. Here's how you can like, um, reward an alternative behavior or whatever, or like yeah. change the, the reaction to the stimulus or whatever. Cause like people have three smelly spots, you know, like the general yeah. pelvic region under your arms and out of your mouth. And so mm-hmm. those are the areas that dogs, like they want to come up and lick your face cause they can smell your nasty ass coffee breath or whatever. <laughs> They want to like lick, you know, nestle in under your arms because they can smell your nasty ass coffee pits, and they, you know, like want to get in your crotch because they it's can all... smell your sweet, sweet coffee beans. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's all coffee here. <laughs> it's oh, all yeah. coffee stems Just, uh... coming out of every pore. <laughs> in that Caesar Milan's book, is there a section for for like, okay, you've tried all these things, it doesn't work. So, so there's a little section at the bottom. It just says, "So your dog's a full pervert." <laughs> I know. Like, and there's like just a, one bullet point. Just get clothed as quickly as you can. There's no, there's that's like, the only recourse. Did you ever do the, the taxonomic keys in science class when you were in high school where you know, I'm, like, hey, I'm sure I was supposed to at some point. Two leaves are three points, you know, go to question five or question six. <laughs> and like, it tells you what it is after you've yes. answered a certain number of questions. Like, I feel like it's that sort of like tree like an Ishikawa tree thing. And then one of them is just, I'm so sorry. There's nothing I can do. I am the dog whisperer. And I'm going to tell you very softly that your dog's a pervert. (laughs) It's just like nothing you can do about it. Sometimes you get a dud. (laughs) Sometimes your, your dog can't get their snoot out of your coffee beans. There's nothing, there's nothing to be done. There's nothing. They just want to put their snoot in your poot. You know, like it's just what happens. Oh my God! Speaking of perverts, John, what did you ask me here today for? Whoa! Oh wait, why is that? Yes, that's a segue. Uh, we are here today to, uh, in honor of of Pax Unplugged uh, happening this weekend in Philadelphia, yeah. which I will be in attendance of. This episode's coming out way later, nice. but recording <laughs> at time of recording, I will be there tomorrow. Um, so, in honor of of that, we're doing. Uh, a little TTRPG-based episode. We're going to be talking about how to make a character. I don't know nice. how we've made it this far, being my sister and I who love to play TTRPGs without doing this specific episode, because it's really the part that I think we've done the most of. In terms of like sections of things to talk about when it comes to TTRPGs, we've probably made characters the most. <laughs> <laughs> I, like... I, I do have to remind you that I was a prolific uh, creator of characters for our Christmas of Cthulhu game, this yes. annual game that we had played because I managed to be on the losing team eight years in a row and I lost <laughs> eight characters throughout. So I had to make a new character. There are you know, characters that just made it through Brian's character. Um, was mine. it, was it your character? Yeah. Uh, mine, nev- mine never died. And in yeah, the whole like decade we were playing with them. Disco Ninja Dan, right? 
Yes, unfortunately. Yes, that was what his name was. Yeah. In mixed company, I just call him Disco Dan. <laughs> Disco Dan. <laughs> So I don't have to reckon with my with my uh, unfortunate past choices. I don't know, um, hey man, you don't have to talk about that. I've been watching Naruto whenever Emily's not here lately, and it's yeah. uh, it's awesome. And just yeah. to hear like Kakashi Sensei say like ninja and like weirdly <laughs> stylizes the word, like why did you do that? <laughs> you know, like, you're all talking English. It's an English word. You you can just say <laughs> you it. You can just say <laughs> it. There's an accepted pronunciation for that word in English. Yeah, but yeah. So for for people who, I guess to expand on what you're talking about, the Christmas of Cthulhu was a a Call of Cthulhu game that we played as a group of friends for many years. I think it was about eight years. Um, and there was always two groups playing at the same time, one evil team, one good team, and they were always like kind of working against each other. I think in later years there weren't enough people to make it two teams, and we were all playing together. But there was always there was always some some snarky motherfuckers in there trying to work against us in secret. Yeah, like there even if there weren't official teams, there were always those elements. Like you yep. know, it was like <laughs> it was like Santa versus the Krampus. You know, the anti Christmas and the Christmas Christ, like yes. trying to. You know, like, you know, save or destroy Christmas reversely. Yep. And uh, we we didn't, uh, again, in those later, in the earlier years, we had played with those characters in more stuff besides just the, the Christmas of Cthulhu, like, event in the, in the winter. We had other, we, like, played with them in other sessions. But in later years, it just kind of, when people, like, started going off to college, this is back in high school, so people went off to college, we, like, couldn't play with those groups anymore. And uh, we we sort of had to cut it back to just that one thing. We all refused to let it go. It was, just, it was just, a great time. We just wanted to have that one game per year, and that was enough. It was uh, um, it was nice. It was a great original story that became Star Wars, uh, and it yep. was awesome when it became like very clearly Star Wars in like the last three years, like Look, the, the Death Star of Bethlehem, and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the, the Aluminum Falcon. Um, Incredible. There was a couple that were just. Par excellence. Some really, really good stuff in there. But yeah, it was a it was a longstanding thing. And even though it was like a Call of Cthulhu game, which anyone who's played that TTRPG knows how just how deadly that game is. And my my character never died. He lived through the through the whole the shebang. He retired. I was trying to think of some of the characters that I had. Um and I can only remember like the fucking the the very late the last ones it was like bernadette burnett are bernadette bernadette arnett burnett burnett's um it was just like just because i was so frustrated and i wanted to make people like struggle through the words yeah you had one with a smart car what was the smart car one i remember it because we were playing and jorge our keeper from outlaws and old ones that some people listening might be aware of um, Jorge has always been our keeper for Call of Cthulhu. And there was a rule that if you fell asleep, we would always be playing into the night. And if anyone ever dozed off, your character would like fall asleep wherever they are, whatever they're doing. And it usually meant horrible, horrible things. Uh, and I remember there was one session where you were, you had dozed off, fallen asleep. And so your character fell asleep. And we, I think we were in the middle of, I, th- I think there were, some like cultists in the woods that we were fighting and yeah and i was like in a smart car and pushed the locks down and like fell asleep oh no yeah no you did it to yourself that's absolutely true you were like falling you were asleep falling asleep and, like, and you uh... knew it so you put yourself in your own car and locked the doors and went to sleep 
Uh, and then you ended up, I think, in a maximum security prison. <laughs> in Spain, if I in remember Spain. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you know, so I made a ton of characters for that. And I made, like, a few. Whereas Jorge always GMs for Call of Cthulhu, I almost always DM when I play D&D. Yeah. Like, it's very rarely have I ever played a character. Like, I, I learned to play D&D DMing because it was, like, a group of friends of Me mine. Too. None of us had ever played. We wanted to play. And so, like, yeah, I'll DM. Sure, let's do it. Because yeah. it was shortly after you introduced me to D&D um, when we went to Boston together. Yeah. Oh, man, what a great trip that was. I had tickets to yeah. uh, my my now fiance bought me tickets to see um, a couple live shows. I think you were my third choice, which you were behind. Yeah, I was. was like, you were behind my Sam significant and- other, and then my sister, and then it was you. So that I mean, that's a pretty good. I feel like that's a pretty good order. I'm flattered. Yeah, like, I'm the first <laughs> non-default choice. <laughs> the first person you'd actually choose. You know, we all know. We yeah. all know. <laughs> so, in terms of character creation. When you're, I, I don't know, should we pick a game or should we just go no game? Just you're trying to come up with a character you want to role play in whatever situation. I feel like there's enough like general, general things across all TRPGs, right? You know, mm-hmm. you want to like a solid backstory or do you want to play a character that's like yourself or do you want to min max the absolute piss out of that, <laughs> ga- out of those game mechanics? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I feel like you know a lot of a lot of applicability across uh, role playing games. Yeah, can you think of a character you've made recently that you had a process for? Like you, was it just an idea? Let's go with um, your your character from from Outlaws and Old Ones. Was oh, yeah. was Conrad okay. Hardy? Was there a process with that, or did you? Was it just like an idea that just happened very quickly like, in the moment? I've noticed that my favorite characters whether they be npcs that i write or in the case of conrad hardy uh it happens entirely instantaneously and for Mm -hmm. whatever reason the entire character is there um i remember we were talking about my last character for call of cthulhu was a character named joe montana which i specifically made to be stupid and nearly mute so that i didn't have to do a lot (laughs) and it drove (laughs) our keeper jorge nuts yeah so he said you know so they said uh, this time when we're playing, like you have to play, uh, like I'm gonna ask you to play a character that's, you know, that like says more. You know, you present. can't just come in and like, yeah, that's the thing, like present, because I would be like on my phone, like, oh, what's going on? All right, I'm gonna shoot three people. Like, no, <laughs> god damn. You know, <laughs> working as an investigator with Papa Bear Joe Montana, Joe Papa was, Bear Montana, Joe Papa Bear Montana was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Because you would just be, I, I've that was I, I was still playing PT Sinclair at that point in time, yeah, and who had a very similar uh, Genesis uh, sort of story, and I, w- I was actually like wanting to solve problems because that was the first time that era of us playing Call of Cthulhu together as a group was the first time we had ever been playing written scenarios. It was always before that. It was always something that Jorge had written. Yeah. 
and and now it's completely improvised. <laughs> so that was like the only point in time where we were ever doing something that was written by somebody else. So there were things like this was a published adventure that we were doing. Yep. It's like there are things to find. There are mysteries yep. to solve and things to figure out and I was so high on that. I was like I need I need to actually fucking figure something out for once in this stupid game. I've we've never <laughs> solved anything in this game and I'm going to do it. I'm going to get to the bottom of some shit and then you would be like on like on the heels of something and then Joe Montana would just come in and start shooting cops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once, like uh, Joe Montana had a few, a few lines that like uh, very much described his entire philosophy, which is about as complicated as a cardboard box. Yeah, it would be like bad guys get bullets. Yes, and there is good people and bad people. <laughs> like, and that was about it. Like that was the entirety of. Joe Montana's worldview and understanding of that world. Yeah, um, and I think the I think the cop debacle the when we were in the that police office that police station, uh, I think that was a that was sort of a breaking point for Joe Montana as well. I think you went particularly uh, uh, trigger happy on that oh, yeah. that outing because you were so affronted by the fact that these were dirty cops. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. that sort of threw that philosophy of there are good people and bad people sort of out the window. It was an earth-shattering moment of gray in an entirely monochromatic like <laughs> psyche, and it was it was not dealt with well. It was it was a splinter in the thumb of the whiny two-year-old that is Joe Montana. <laughs> but we so you know wanting me to not be a character like that. Oh yo, Jorge Asley, like, all right, but you got to play a character that's really gonna be in there, and I. Uh, I think pretty immediately <laughs> just started talking like, Oh, okay. Well I can just do that. Oh, you know, it's gonna, it's not gonna be the hardest thing at all. You know, I'll just come right in. Oh, Hey, how you doing there? My name's Conrad Hardy. It's a pleasure to meet you. And it's not just a pleasure because I'm meeting you. It's pleasurable. Like, you know, in general, look at the air, look at the weather, you know, it's just a wonderful time. And I remember like, talking for like 45 seconds straight. And Jorge was, well, it does. You, know, you do talk more. <laughs> it's gonna fill space. <laughs> I, that, that, I like that about it. Yeah. Oh man. Just, I remember like an instantly full character. I feel like P.T. Sinclair was fairly similar. I think so. Yeah. I was. We were sitting in your apartment, uh, mm-hmm. in your like college town that you were living in, and we were we were trying to we wanted to like play that day, but we needed new characters because our, our previous ones had been retired or dead. So we needed to just come up with a new party on the spot, and and we wanted to play that day. And I remember you had neighbors that you you needed to like be quiet for, and I immediately started up with like I want to be just like a bombastic, loud piece of shit snake oil salesman, and I tried to name him P.T. Barnum, and then we all remembered that that was a name already. <laughs> <laughs> it was the exact person who inspired P.T. Sinclair. <laughs> directly, directly, it was P.T. Barnum and the the snake oil salesman from Red Dead Redemption. That was the, the two people put them together. It's P.T. Sinclair. No, but I remember like you did that voice and I instantly like lost it. It was just the funniest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> you know, I mean, for those of you who, you know, listen to Outlaws and Old Ones, like, you know, the P.T. Sinclair voice. And it sounds like I'm P.T. Sinclair. It's it's time to buy some some elixirs. It's to, <laughs> would you like would you like to look at my wares? 
it's <laughs> it's like a weird it's mostly just loud it's loud and a little like transatlantic it's, that's yeah it, it has that that twinge to it like oh yeah it's me the famous pt sinclair yeah. you know it reminds me a little bit of the announcer from courage the cowardly dog um slightly. yeah like yeah. that that weird cadence that Absolutely. You know, like it seems to um, you know that sound that impossibly always sounds like it's increasing in tone? <laughs> it's it's like that, but with like energy. You know? It's like seemingly always going to ten. And that's that's like that was a dream too, because as performers, but as also as just friends who like to fuck around all the time, it's just when you can make your friends laugh so easily with something, when you just like when you just nail a bullseye just so easily with that and just you have a room of your friends like your peers that you respect and love like rolling it's it's you can't stop that's great so that was just no it was just infinite energy to keep that character going and come up with more stuff for it was just it was uh that was a such an amazing session of of ttrpgs it's just like yeah i'm gonna be i am the world famous pt singer and that, i feel like that came out pretty quickly as well i think that was, was like uh, that was like the first i feel like that was the first thing like uh, frosty the snowman saying happy birthday you just <laughs> plop down in an imaginary white suit with tails and like it is i the world famous pt sinclair <laughs> it's just and like you exploded out of a balloon or something. It's just it was just an immediate like okay, this is who this guy is. He's gonna say like no matter what, forever and all time, he's gonna say he's the world famous BT Sinclair, and anyone who disagrees with him is lying. Yeah, <laughs> was, no, it's a solid character. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's kind of not helpful. I don't know how. It's... So at that day, I think Jorge was like, okay, if we're gonna make characters and we're gonna keep this kind of campaign going we wanted i want to go far enough with these characters that they get into the 40s so like let's let's try and come up with characters that i don't know that that have some legs but are also like in the time period because we had done modern campaigns before that that was the longest running we did was modern day mm-hmm. um so that's that's something i think they at that point wanted to be like they wanted it period and so i was just trying to think of tropes from that time so i guess yeah. that that's a piece of advice take your whatever set dressing you already have like odds are if you're coming up with a character you probably have a a, a storyteller lore keeper game master whatever um who has an idea for the story they want to tell and that that i feel like that can inform a lot of what you what you want to do with the character a lot of times yeah dungeons and dragons maybe even leaves it a little too open i feel like the materials they provide you for character creation are very intuitive and and pretty easy to follow and it's like okay start like like pick a race like what is there a race of of these like fun magical creatures that you would want to be and then then there's classes like so you don't have to to come up with like what your character is really like who their personality is until later. So you already have, like yeah, you can kind of build it backwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But with other TTRPGs, it's like you're, you've got, you got nothing. (laughs) So anything that your game master can give you, I think can be helpful. A big downtime. Hello. And thank you to the band. Aw gray. That's spelled a U G R E S. They are an amazing band led by Josh Kemp. They have sent in their song nervous. You are going to love this song as I do. Make sure to go to the link in the description. So you can find all their social media, all their music. They have a brand new single coming out early 2022. So make sure you 
following them. That way you can hop on it right as it releases. For now, please enjoy Nervous by All Gray. Me nervous. 
I, I've wanted to make characters in the vein of the of, of like the white box Dungeons and Dragons rules, where it was just you roll six dice in a row, and that's your top Those to bottom your stats. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so if you roll four, 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 thirteen, five, I'm sorry, you're just so not sorry. you're you're just a dud. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in con. At least you won't die that quick. <laughs> yeah. You'll well, I think it was like. Quick. You know, you you have to roll the six dice in order, and those are your stats from top to bottom. So you have just no control. Oh, yeah, like you no, couldn't it's, even it's... slot them into place. Oh my god! No, no, it is absolutely raw rolls. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know that's why it was changed in Advanced you Dungeons just... and Dragons because <laughs> you would be sitting there as a group of people sitting around with some dice and be like, "Okay, I'm gonna make a new character now." I'm going to start yeah. over because this is not going to be fun. I'm going to die instantly. Well, you got to realize like they were Gygax and um, God, I forgot the, the other guy's name, the one who gets shafted a bunch. I'm not sure. Well, whatever. They were like inventing this, you know, genre of game, which now yeah. we kind of take for granted, you know, that, that absolutely. Yeah. Like role playing game, like a, like a constructed set of rules that kind of govern this, you know, pretend time, all of us together at once to, you know, make it fair and interesting and narrative and whatever. And like, and that's a, you know, semi novel thing. What do you do? I guess I've created a character for a campaign of yours because we do Aprioria on on the Outlaws Network channel, but I don't remember what you had us do. What do you prefer as a as a DM to like tell your characters to start with for ability scores? When I first played, I learned with the starter set for Five E, which has mm-hmm. some pre generated character sheets to go from, and they're not bad. You know, like we we played with them. Oh. You know, um, and they're fine characters, and I think it kind of gives you an idea of what a stat spread could look like you know yeah. it's not they're not necessarily min max they're not bad characters but they're not you know they're just starter campaign characters yeah um usually i tell people to do a buy like just here's your point pool point. of points do a buy the rules are in the player's handbook it just lets people have a little bit more control and customization to do like you know if they want to do something super min maxi they have to lose it in other places so you know it works out it comes out in the wash what about you i love the the standard array i think the standard array is perfect honestly yeah i i just i don't think there's anything better for it because you have to take a bad stat yeah you just have to have a minus one in something and i i really think that that's crucial because it's at the end of the day it's not fucking super mario you know you're not you're not just this being of infinite power who's just gonna jump around until they get to the end you know what i mean it's a role-playing game like you're you're not there to say let's go and and kill a bunch of goombas without thinking about it it's a role-playing game you need that dump stat you need a stat that's legitimately not good you need something that you are not good at because yeah it's it's I guess this sort of goes into role-playing training wheels, which I'm not super into, but it's very helpful to have that in order to just create some interesting character moments for yourself as a role-player. So, I, I like the standard array. Um, I like it. I also like it when people do a buy and they have one stat that ends up being just their absolute dump stat. It's ridiculously like, low. 
Yeah, like, you know, uh, something ill-advised like minus three to constitution or something oh where you're God. just like, cool, no. so you're not getting any HP. So you're learning all these powerful spells. But if someone like throws like a punch, you're just, ow, 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 ow. You know, like the, the kid, I've got the power of God and anime on my side. Like, that's about as intimidating as you look, but then he casts fireball or whatever. There was a character when I first ran a campaign that I wrote uh, her name was Seppis, and she had like a minus three to con- to charisma. Uh, okay. She was a druid. That uh, it makes sense, you know. She's a druid. She does animal stuff. There's no no ways with people at yeah. all. So it's just like blunder, it's and it made sense. Like wood, sometimes smelly doesn't know how to talk to yeah. people. <laughs> not not an attractive person, uh, yeah. and just like would blunder into stuff, and it really like kind of helped move the story along because yeah, like you know, like oh, what do we do? Maybe we can get information. Hi, I'm Seppis. <laughs> just like, no understanding of the the nuance of the situation. Um, so I think it is funny when you have that um, dump stat. I remember um buddy of mine, Ian, he was a teacher, and we developed like a kind of a pared down D&D uh, for his class. Like after standardized mm-hmm. testing was done, they this was their last unit. It was um, a chance to work on storytelling and descriptive language. And so I would come in and I would do a little lecture for the two years that he did this in the middle schools um, when we were living in the same town. And we'd talk about like, all right, so what makes a character compelling? And one of the things is like weakness, you know, um, you know, a brief like the tragic hero is one of our oldest examinations of what a character is. And that like, yeah, they're great in every way except for one thing, one, one, one teensy little thing. And it ends up being real, real bad. Um <laughs> But, you know, on a, on a broader scale, just like, yeah, like no one is perfect. Every, even your best friends do things that annoy you. And that's what makes it somewhat a person. And if you can translate that onto a page, it really, you know, makes that character come off of it. And then, you know, we did a whole lot about, you know, like descriptive language and like, you know, how do you set a scene talking about your five senses? You know, it was a great it was a really well thought out lesson. and I was glad I got to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. And so like telling you know, 10 year olds, how to make a character was super fun. Cause you see like the basic concerns kind of laid out for you. Like, I want to be strong. Yeah. I want to be cool. <laughs> I want to be, <laughs> you know, I want to be something other than me, you know? And it's like, you know, exactly what role playing is all about. Right. It's yeah. about, you know, playing a character and having fun and accomplishing with your friends. Yeah. It's such an incredible genre of gaming, of hanging out with your friends. Like, it's such a unique and very cool way to get to know people in a in a very, very different context than, than you're used to. Yeah. With just your regular group of friends. If you play with people who you've spent a lot of time just hanging out with and, and then you move on to playing a TTRPG with them, it's, it's just, it's so ridiculously different and very, very refreshing. Um, yeah. It's very cool to see that side of people come out like that, that storyteller side, that silly role playing side of people that you don't get to see very often. It's like, oh, you work for literal bank. I've never imagined you would want to to jump into the the boots of a a yeah. dwarf with a glaive like you're a pencil pusher and i just heard you recite erotic poetry worthy <laughs> of warren g harding like it was just <laughs> like 
I had no idea. All of us are crying and aroused. There's a lot happening at this kitchen table, and it's Thursday. I'm on my fourth Mountain Dew, and I need to think about some things because that was that was compelling. I I had got to have a full conversation with uh, a, a friend of mine who we were, I would say, sort of tertiary friends at best for mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, I would say we we got past that before we started playing D anD D, but it's very interesting to have this this person who's one of my players, who I've I've never like when we were in high school, I never would have imagined like even hanging out with him that much after we graduated, and now I'm playing your ghost grandfather, and I'm admitting to you that I was gay the whole my entire life and you're being like this is just a very heartfelt conversation between the two of us we're just having a very open and honest conversation as grandson and grandfather about sexuality and it's very very cool and very fun like just yeah just fascinating stuff that you can get out of these games and it's i i don't know now see if you've noticed this too um i see it happen a lot where the line between player and characters gets blurred sometimes. Um, And sometimes the character's really, really strong and, like, it just exists on its own. You know, like, you know. um, But I I like... I I don't necessarily encourage either one when people, you know, play characters. If you want to have a character named Smaler and he (laughs) is tall and blonde, wears glasses and works a job for the local kingdom or whatever, like, you know, like, that's fine. Um, and I think it was really funny. And I, originally I was, you know, kind of pushing people like, no, I wanted to be epic and fantasy like, and then seeing that the character was bleeding through, uh, there was a moment where someone had to describe grief and it was, it just like the, the table got quiet and it was mm-hmm. just this meditation on like what it means to grieve. Um, I forget what the family member that was invented to like, just like, you know, uh, find common ground with this non-playable character NPC, um, and it was just, yeah, it was like a really, from someone I did not think was capable of that sort of like thoughtfulness yeah. and just like this wonderful, um, heart filled description of what it means to never quite be whole, uh, but being okay with growing into a new shape. Like after what it means, you know, like that's what grief is like. And like, yeah, well, damn, um, <laughs> I don't I need think, to roll for that one. Yeah, <laughs> no, you got, you, yeah. you succeed that roll. That one's good to go. You're, we're all set. Good job. Yeah, I'm gonna need a second, and I need to call my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I and that gets into a whole thing where it's like I feel like with my group, we're we're very close as a as just a group of friends. So I feel like with that with that group of people, I think it would be welcome for some people to throw in a piece of their character that is just straight ripped from their own real life. Like even something traumatic, like they had something traumatic happen to them in their life and they wanted to bring that and make that a part of their character as like a way of dealing with it. I don't think that that is a thing that everyone should be doing in every game of of TTRPG. I think that is not healthy. (laughs) I think you should 
Uh, everyone should be in therapy. I've, we've said that on this show many, many times. Everyone should be in therapy. Yeah. It's just it's just healthy. It's a better way to process these things than TTRPGs. But God, I think just we- saying like, <laughs> yeah, I, Glumfar, was cheated on by Britannica. <laughs> just, like, looking daggers over checks mix at someone across the table like... I think we've I think we've exited the forbidden realms here, and I think this might be a little closer to home. You know? I th- uh, yeah, I think Knoblog goes back to the inn for the night and uh, and and goes to sleep and doesn't talk to them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Glubnar needs to think about what he said about his mother's <laughs> casserole. <laughs> <It's> just, <you laughs> <laughs> it gets really pointed and like, oh, don't, trouble in paradise. Don't let this <laughs> don't be do you. that. Don't, 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 don't be don't. that. Especially keep it in the house, guys. So, <laughs> the, getting a group of for TTRPGs together is so difficult in the first place. Odds are you're going to end up at a table with like a bunch of people you don't know that well. <laughs> so don't plan yeah. to do this thing. But it it can be. I, I think more than planning that more than like purposely adding those bits of trauma in sort of letting that stuff happen naturally in real time just just through the art of improv just having weird sort of traumatic things come up for your character because everybody everybody has baggage that's just a real life thing so you you can't yeah. avoid your character you're you're never going to have a character that doesn't have baggage because it's just not realistic i guess it depends on the kind of game you're trying to play but yeah i think if you're pl- if you're in somebody's skin long enough you're if you're playing a character long enough you're gonna find something and and sometimes it hit it hits kind of close to home and i think and i think that's okay and i think that can be really fun and, and beautiful sometimes yeah, they say write what you know, you know, and you know, you don't know anything better than your own life. So I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to, you know, like, and I think that's why it happens. You know, people need a well, a creative well to draw from. And there's no bigger, um, more detailed well than, you know, your own experience. And so it does become a part of it no matter what. Yeah. Um, I know in the campaign that I'm writing, I write a bunch of NPCs, which I think is another for me, it's another flavor of it. Um, cause there are some NPCs that have some prolonged impacts, um, and motivations and some that are dead by the time you meet them, but you learn a bit about them. And I like doing that cause I feel like story is built through character. Um, especially when like the, the genre of RPG is people talking at one another. Mm-hmm. You, you're obliged to think about it through characters, right? Yeah. So if you have a little bit of story, it comes through the mouth of a character or, you know, it comes through the mouth of a diary written by a character you've never met. Um, So I I also like to think about that. Like, what is their usefulness in terms of creating this world together um, in addition to like personal motivations in sort of like a Meisner-ish way? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Definitely. That that can be interesting, too, if you've got. If you've got some, I I've done this work for my for my players at my table. I don't know if I, it kind of depends on on what your GM wants to do. I think I, it's a very important relationship to to keep up and stay on the same page with your with your storyteller, game master, whatever you want to call them. But so this is something that I've done for my characters is that they, they sort of had like some trinkets that they were given by their their background or all this stuff. Because D&D gives you so many different things because you've, you've got you want a field mouse. You got a field mouse. <laughs> right. It, you yeah. Know, it's yours. Yeah. But they were given some some trinkets that I 
I told them like, okay, you can come up with exactly what this is and you can tell me that, or you can give it to me and I can't promise I'll do it immediately, but I'll, I'll come up with something that this is and what this says and what's like, what's the secret importance of this that even you don't know. Um, so that can be very cool and that you can sort of, as long as you're okay with sort of relinquishing control of your character and allowing somebody else to, to take pieces of it and, and create something about your character that even you don't know yet. Uh, I think that yeah, can be it's, very special. I think you're absolutely right. And it kind of touches to the heart of especially D and D, uh, well, like our, all RPG that it is a collaborative story yeah. that is being created like live at the table there. The biggest beats are there, but the dialogue is improvised largely. The emotional impact kind of like comes out of what the dynamic of the group is, the dynamic of how they play their characters. You know, it's, it's created together. It's created live. So I think doing something like giving a portion of your character to another person, because that happens to us in life all the time. Like we discover things about ourselves through other people. And so I think that's a nice way to kind of like build a roundness to a character because there are some things that you aren't you don't have control over like about yeah. yourself some things like don't know whose handiwork that was in my development but that's <laughs> you know something i gotta deal with if i had to choose it wouldn't be me you know like i, I would not choose the anxiety that i have I, but here we are <laughs> i was i was on the phone with uh with my sister the the other day and i was in the kitchen doing stuff with my hands so she was on speakerphone my fiance comes through the door and sort of joins the conversation emily was driving at the at that point and emily just starts just yelling at the other cars that are that are not behaving properly uh and bad here and samantha chimes in with uh who do y'all get that from (laughs) (laughs) because you both do this you both talk to cars even though they're not going to talk back to you and i honestly don't know i don't like it doesn't seem i don't think it's my dad but it's probably not my mom i truly have no clue where we got it from but apparently we both do it in a very similar fashion (laughs) it's like oh yeah no don't no don't bother using your blinker you don't need to you, you don't need to tell anyone what your intentions are on the road to avoid an accident yeah don't worry about it fucking asshole I, I, I distinctly remember because my brother and I've had this conversation, too, and we know that we get it from our dad because the, the, the way our road rage manifests, it's very quiet. It's very observational. <laughs> it's almost under your breath. And then you end it with like a swear. And my dad's was always, yeah, fucking dildo. <laughs> he would say it like all the time. It just like, all right, the law requires you to yield if it's a green without an arrow, but that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, fucking dildo. <laughs> you like say it through gritted teeth too, <laughs> driving us to middle school or something. And it's so like I've just noticed that it's usually my way. Like I'll just recite the law, glaring at the person, and then swear at them softly, like half under my breath. Dad, that was a school bus. He was being waved on by a crossing guard. He's on. <laughs> what actual advice have we given? listen to your listen to your gm and like get get inspiration from them with like the setting and the the context that they want to create their world in that's gonna yeah. in, inform a lot of what your character might be like if you're if you're in the the wild west 
and and you're trying to think of like tropes in the wild west there's there's like a few easy ones that you can pick up i think i think yeah. dc sinclair ended Pilgrim. up being kind of a, a side character from that era but very much a trope in that in that era yeah. of stuff if it's a, a genre that you're familiar with just go back to like tv shows and movies that you've watched of that genre and just say like okay what were kind of, what were kind of the tropes there who was who was like a character that i really think would be fun to fun to play because that's really the end all be all of the whole thing it's a game you want to find somebody who you're gonna have you're gonna enjoy playing i think another one is uh, play with a hand you're dealt with so like whether that's stats or whatever um and rolling into that like play the hand you're dealt and that yeah. great characters are imperfect so like yes. lean into your flaws Absolutely. whether that be a stat flaw or a character flaw or, and it's, you know, not something like he likes to drink a lot. Like, yeah, you know, the more complicated the flaw, the more real it's going to feel and the better character it's going to be. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's big too. Like I'm all for min-maxing like within, within reason, you want. You, like yeah. make, make the character you want, but you can have a really strong character that also has interesting flaws that make them more interesting to the people who you're playing with and more fun to play with, you know, or, and more sure. fun to play. That's it. Don't, don't be a dildo. That's yeah, no, don't that's be another a one. Fucking don't be a dildo. Fucking dildo. <laughs> <laughs> I think you you said you touched on it before. I want to expand on it a little bit when you said like work with your GM and just like uh be open to your character being shaped and formed by others yeah. as well because that's sure. like, you know, that's how life happens. That's how characters, good characters are written. Um, especially in RPGs, the story happens through the characters, which means things are going to happen to you from other people. So just like be open to that influence um, in the way that, you know, like human beings are. And I think that also fills out a nice character. Oh, yeah. and lastly, not your time to work out something that might be better dealt with a professional. Yep. Yes. Whether that be a, like a couple's counselor or an individual <laughs> one, like... Take that shit where it needs to go, you know? Like, TTRPGs take your dog. <laughs> can be very therapeutic, but don't force it on other people. Don't make it therapy. Because <laughs> you know? that's, that's an awkward that's an awkward thing. Thank you so much, Taylor, for, for joining me. Do you, do you have uh, anything? I think you guys should definitely check out Outlaws and Old Ones. It happens every Thursday on twitch.tv slash the Outlaws Network. I am yeah. no longer on that show, but I am. The last episode of the podcast version of that will be coming in the new year. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> Finales um, are tough to that. edit. It's, there's a lot going on, you know? Well, there's four times as much audio, and it's you know Christmas time now. Yeah. So it's just packed on it um so i'll be producing that and that'll be my last product for the outlaws network yeah. um you can also check john and i playing a story that i wrote um called Aprioria, which is the first full campaign that i ever wrote that john uh, emily from this podcast and brian from the bloody stream and outlaws and old ones from the outlaws network are all playing on um they play three fantastic characters speaking of like great role-playing characters great role-playing um, characters that all came very very quickly and hurriedly not oh, yeah. not because we meant to but because we had to <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I i threw them in a bit of a mix where like yeah i mean the point of this world is that it's heterogeneous like it doesn't make sense times and places are all squished together so everyone's out of place so, you know, make whatever really exactly the character it. that you want in a vacuum. Yeah. And then those characters got thrown together and some a lot of fun communication happened in the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> some really sure. funny bits. Do you have that saved, that first episode? I believe I do. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. I'd love to listen to that sometime. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess you know you y'all you stuff. I know you do. You guys do your round of plugs, but I wanted to put it in a, put it in everybody's ear really Definitely. quick before you went through the stuff. Twitch.tv slash the Outlaws Network. Check us out. Uh, I would also like to thank Ethan Gustafson for the use of his music as our intro and outro theme. You can find more work from Ethan at somepointsound.com. We'd also like to thank Natalie Spitzel for the use of her art as our cover art for the podcast. You can find more work from Natalie at nataliespitzel.com or at nms underscore creative on Instagram. Oh, I want to do it. I want to do it. Okay, all right. I want to do the the bit. Do it. Go for it. Thank you so much for listening. I am not Emily Downey, but I am Taylor. (laughs) I am John Downey contrived situations that are merely narrative and have no emotional impact, I will fight you, but it won't be rewarding. (laughs) Keep that button hot. (laughs) 